Welcome to Roadhouse Minute, the podcast where we review the best bad movie of all time, Roadhouse, one minute at a time, and where we always try to be nice until it's time not to be nice. I'm Roger. I'm Marcy. And this is Minute 15, otherwise known as Minute 2 on the bed. And... This minute starts with a husband inviting another man over for a little too much sharing, and it ends with Morgan punching a patron in the face. Wow. I love these recaps. Thank you. Fantastic. So I'm going to continue my thought from last time because I had a piece of trivia from last time that really belonged in this minute, which is that just this whole thing with sharing husband and well dad wife is just icky. And I think it, it gets progressively ickier in this minute Starting with the fact that the the look on sharing husband's face when he eagerly gets up out of his chair to allow Gawker to sit down, it's just gross. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to just quote from director Rowdy Harrington. To his credit, I don't think these sorts of scenes were what he really wanted to put in his movie. I, I definitely think these last two minutes have Joel Silver's name written all over them, mm. right? He, he famously is saying he wanted to make a movie that was boobs and bombs, and we're going to get at least half of those in this minute. So Rowdy Harrington on the director's commentary seems to really suggest that this whole two minutes kind of makes him really uncomfortable. He says here, and in quote, Obviously, I did not write this scene, but the picture does have legs. You've got to say that. So that's that's Rowdy Harrington's thoughts about this part. Um, before we get to the touching and groping part of this minute, do you have any thoughts about just sort of the very beginning when Sharing Husband decides to get up and make room? Oh, let's see. Well, oh, yeah, he's very eager. You know, and you'd think he's getting more than 20 bucks here. The way he's just super eager and like laughing it up with this dude. That's a good point. So, you know, we did not talk about this in the last minute. You know now that the inflation calculator basically says take any dollar amount in this movie and multiply it by two. So sharing husband and well-endowed wife thinks think that a kiss on both of her breasts is worth approximately $40 in 2021. No offense. I think she's worth a little more. Listen, Roger, this is where it, it think like my mind goes like, this is not necessarily about the money for these two people. This is a game that they play in their relationship. So you're saying this is just part of their fantasy. This is something that they do together in order for them to have a little bit of spice in their life. What if I were to offer a different hypothesis that this is, shall we say, a volume operation <laughs> how much how much money do you think in let's say let's stick with twenty dollars because it's easy to do the math how much money do you think that sharing husband and well endowed wife typically clear on a night like this at the double deuce uh, maybe 600 bucks you think this happens 30 times a night <laughs> maybe that's too many wow i think i multiplied by two accidentally based on what happens with gawker i'm gonna say if this were to happen 30 times a night there'd be some bruising yeah and their targets are like that gawker dude is so drunk and not a bright bulb i mean he's bright enough to say like really really and then to like get his kicks off on fondling her but not actually doing the thing this is a fantastic scene i mean not to jump ahead too much but i do believe we have the scammer getting scammed in this yes the scammer has gotten scammed for sure we have to talk about his fondling technique for lack of a better word i have written in my notes and i i really want this to be taken in the spirit in which it is offered which is in utter disgust about what i have watched been forced to watch in this minute he appears to be attempting to extract milk 
Ew, no. But look at the way that he does it. Like, he's grabbing them. He's pulling down. He His technique is awful. Yeah, there's uh, a lot of things that are wrong with that. But the man's given an awkward angle, too. Like, he's, he's set uh, away from her, um, uh, directly across, at the same height. You know, I feel like if you're getting in there to fondle somebody, that's not your most ideal way. That is true. Uh, and I appreciate the fact that you're attempting <laughs> to make excuses for Gawker here. I mean, yeah. But, you know, it, in a in the movie where you're thinking, wow, we want to just, we want to put in something that is, like, super squeamish. This is the most squeamish way that you could have this man fondle this woman. That's also an excellent point, Marcy. You bring so much knowledge to this podcast. I think... You're right. This scene was <laughs> this scene was supposed to be uncomfortable, and in that sense, they succeeded beyond their wildest yes, dreams. Let's put it that way. I will say though, the other thing I have in my notes here is well-endowed wife. She's loving this minute. There is no part of her face in this minute that suggests that she is anything but enjoying the twenty dollars that she thinks is about to come her way. Roger, this is more evidence to my point about these two people. This is a this is a like this even, is a secret sex fantasy. I'm I'm on board this, with you now. This split second before he makes contact with her body, the two scammers are looking at each other like, "Yes, it's happening now. It's this is happening." Let me let, so I'll tell you what. Just since we since we did talk about this in this minute, he's got his arm around her back. What if? Well, that's to, to make sure that she doesn't recoil in disgust. She's not. She's so into this right now. Do you think it's possible that this is the one and only time this ever happens in the double deuce? That that they they were getting ready to have. No, no. Listen, stay with me for a minute. Okay, I'm the one suggesting something weird. I like how you've turned that around on me. <laughs> what if they got ready to go out? Let's say at about eight o'clock. <laughs> they decided to come to the and they said ahead of time. You know what, honey. I've never tried something with you before, and I've always wanted to. Let's see if we can get a complete stranger to fondle your attitudes, and we'll pretend that we're charging them money. And this happens, and they go home, and it never happens again. What do you think about that idea? Possible, but for these two yahoos, I don't think so. Okay. I think maybe... You maybe, seem like you're trying to have your cake and eat it, too. Maybe these people are both trying to earn money and get their rocks off. Well, I think... I think the money is now inconsequential now that I've really thought it through. I think this is more a fantasy for them. Since you have your scene essentially frozen at that point, I have a delightful additional fact from the action here, which is that if you look on the far left, someone has snuck their way into this scene. And I want you to see, I want to see if you can figure out who it is. Look on the left of Gawker. Oh, the man with the red shirt? No, he's got a green shirt on, which should give you a clue. Is it? That bouncer dude? No, it's none of the bouncers, Marcy. Look on the know. far left. Look on the left of Gawker. It's a man in a green shirt who, as soon as he realizes what's about to happen, pulls up his chair as quickly as possible and oh, gets yeah. as close as he can. Who is that, Marcy? I don't I'll give you remember one more guess. who that is. That is Heckler, the man who throws a bottle at Cody oh, through the really? cage. Oh, really? Yeah, that's look wild. at him. It's clearly who that is. So I thought it was his friend from the last scene. No, I don't think so. It's not? No, I don't. It's not the same dude. It is the same dude. No, it's not the same dude as his friend from the last scene. Oh, no, no. I 
No, I, I know it's not that guy. Because that guy kind of has a gray shirt on. It's not green. So you're saying you thought it was Gawker's friend. I thought it was Gawker's friend. And he was just sort of getting a partial free show. Why wouldn't he come over? But it's a completely different man. No, this is Heckler, the man who throws beer bottles That's at the wild. cage. Isn't it's it? so weird that it's not the same friend. He's having a night. So he went to the double deuce. He got himself plastered. He threw a beer bottle through a wire cage. And then he got to watch a man attempt to fondle a married man's breasts and then get punched out for his trouble. I love that you just said a married man's breasts. They're really, you really put a pin on how much he owns those breasts. That's a good point. That phrase. I'm going to leave that in the podcast, (laughs) even though that was a faux pas on my part, I'm going to leave that in the podcast. Yeah. What else do we have to say about this? There's actually, we're going to probably spend most of our time talking about the minute when fights start, there's a lot to talk about. I would say here, after we get this delightful line where we find out that Gawker, in fact, doesn't have any money or yeah. has less than $20, I've written down in my notes here, sharing husband really goes from grinning idiot to angry psychopath at a drop of a hat. Like, yeah. he is ready to go with his backhanded fist. Well, yeah, absolutely. Because he's keyed up. He's ready to do one of two things right now. <laughs> This is a family podcast, so I'm not going to ask you what they are, but I know where your mind is going there. He's going to pick fighting right now because the other one's not happening. And so a fight's about to begin. I noted here that Jack gives us one of, this is one of several times in the movie where Jack seems to react with utter surprise and astonishment that a fight has broken out in the double deuce. Like this is, and remember Jack is sort of the larger bouncer. This is his go-to move. His, he does this like with his face (laughs) and then says, Oh my God. And then he tries to jump into action. That is Jack's signature move. Yeah. But really the rest of this fight minute, except for the person I'm going to mention in crowd surfing, who you're going to love the rest of this fight minute. I really think we have to talk about Morgan. Yeah. Because right here, Morgan, his first go-to move is to grab the dude who's standing peacefully next to him at the bar and just throw him into the fisticuffs. Well, not only that, but the very first thing that Morgan does when he realizes that punches have been thrown is to bellow the word fight at the top of his lungs. Well, I don't have the audio. I know you don't. That's why I'm adding that piece of information. So this doesn't really seem like exactly what you should do as a cooler is to draw everybody in the bar's attention to the fact that there's a minor fracas that is broken out in one part of the bar. I mean, like, in the part of the bar that this is happening... Um, is away from where he's standing and he just starts hurling people's bodies into the melee in pretty much every scene where morgan appears he escalates the situation he is a Uh, bad person last week with pete i referred to him as the nuclear fission bomb of coolers in the sense that his job his job is to create a chain reaction yeah I also think it's fantastic that as soon as Morgan yells fight, picks up a man, throws him across the room, do you remember what his next line is? No. His his other line in this minute is, break it up over there. Oh, yeah. Like, break up the fight over there that you've just managed to start and try to make blow up as fast as possible. Morgan's fantastic. Did you notice the reaction of Frank Tillman in this minute? Well, it's, I, I just had a funny memory of Frank Tillman being up in his 
Oh, yeah, he is. I thought he was making a puzzle, but he's not. He's actually looking at architectural blueprints with his bifocals on. <laughs> Say that again. You, you... I, thought, I, had this, I had this memory of this scene. You know, my memory is all fuzzy. It makes things up. And I thought, oh, for sure, Frank Tillman's up in the, the little watchtower office making a puzzle. Okay, two things. One, I know your memory is fuzzy, but you do do the minimum amount of show prep possible was just to watch all three minutes right before we record and to watch <laughs> each minute before we record that minute's episode. So, and two, you think that typically what the owner of a rough and tumble bar does to pass the time during the night is to build jigsaw puzzles in his office. <laughs> I don't know. It just kind of was, you know, it struck me because on his wall are these like the baseball player kind of uh, graphic pictures you know, and it just got a messed up in there. It's maybe, a fun life inside maybe. my head sometimes. <laughs> and every time I think about trying to crawl crawl up in there, I just think, whoa. Don't crawl up in there. there here there be dragons. <laughs> yeah, but I, I love, so when Frank Tillman seems like he's a very auditory man uh, in yeah. terms of, and so like as soon as he hears probably Morgan yelling, like his head and neck snaps up. And he's like, oh, there's something going on. I have written down in my notes here, this is the angriest that we will ever, we will ever see Frank Tillman. Like, he really looks upset. It's yeah. just sort of like, oh, God, not again. Well, time, to go, he, time to go sweep up the eyeballs. He comes and looks out over the beige melee that is his bar. And I, I, so this is just sort of a callback to a previous minute. That particular shot that you have right there, that could not look more like a Wild West saloon. All things look broken, tipped over. It's brown. Super brown, dingy. Absolutely. Smoke in the air. Absolutely. And then, of course, at the end of this, it's it's just lovely at the very end of this minute. Dalton has no reaction. He's not on the clock. You see Dalton, and he's just he's just standing there. Oh, he's there. just standing there at the bar. Last this is all happening, and he's just standing there. Last piece of trivia, since you struck out on Heckler, would you like to tell me... Which named cast member is crossing in front of Dalton's face in this minute? You should be able to get this because we basically played the same game a couple minutes ago. Crossing in front of Dalton's face. Yeah, so in the last few seconds, or literally the last second, that we see somebody walk in front of him and exits, exit oh, in the left the, of the frame. It's the um, one of the henchmen. Yes. I don't remember their names. Because so. I haven't given you a chart yet. Do I you know. Remember? Which person is this? What happens to him at the end of the movie? He gets, um, like, swallowed up by the bear. <laughs> that would be a great movie. For five seconds. For five minutes. Ah! It's 13 seconds. It's not five minutes. 13 seconds. So, yes, you have correctly identified Tinker, the man who doesn't get swallowed by a stuffed polar bear. He gets crushed by Slowly a stuffed polar bear. That's right. So that's Tinker. Walken uh, seemingly also not willing to get involved in this. Yeah. Okay. Any other notes about this action? Oh, no. I would just like to note that I, I love the sharing husband's technique for when he wants to hit hit the man that's groping the wife. Why don't you describe us? His well, he grabs the ma the man's arm, and so he has a hold of him before he backhands the guy. And I think that's a particularly good fighting technique because then the guy can't get away from him, and he's just like close enough in close proximity that he can give him a good wallop. I think I'm glad you brought that up. It's 
there's something sort of oddly Victorian about the fact that he chooses to hit somebody with his backhand. I can't think of anybody else in this movie whose go-to punching move is the backhanded fist. Like normally you would have expected, like I get your whole grabbing the shoulder thing. Normally you would have expected him to just kind of come in with a left cross and just give him one across the cheek. He grabs him by the wrist. Right. And then backhands him. Right. And I I think that's delightful. It's almost a backhand slap. Almost, but it's clearly a punch based on the sound effect that we get. Uh, We got long, tall Sally going on. Uh, It's it's fantastic. We're going to talk about this a lot more next week when we really get to see the brawl unfold. But uh, love the fact that this does not even phase Cody and his band in the slightest. They're just going to keep playing long, tall Sally because they're getting paid by the night. If Heckler is is busy uh, with something else, no one's going to throw beer bottles at them. So we got more long, tall Sally. For for our character actor spotlight of this week. I would like to spend a little bit of time talking about Terry Funk, who plays Morgan, who's the muscle-bound, curly-haired, mm. at this point, cooler. Uh, he's the lead bouncer in the Double Deuce, at least for a couple of minutes. So, and just so you know, Pete and I talked about him a little bit last week. Yes, that's Morgan. You know who Morgan is. You don't need Yeah, me. but here's that other dude. Oh, yeah, he's, there's more Tinker. Last week wasn't really so much of a... Uh, Morgan Minute. I think this this minute is much more of a Morgan Minute. Terry Funk is a legendary professional wrestler. Like He is really well-known. You say Terry Funk to anybody who knows wrestling, and they know who you're talking about. That's really cool. He's in four pro wrestling halls of fame separately. Wow. Yeah. So like I said, he's he's a pretty big deal. You know, we don't engage in watching any wrestling, but for some people, it's a big thing. What are your thoughts about professional wrestling in general? You want to give me 90 seconds on pro wrestling? Well, I watched it a little bit with my brother when we were younger, and I remember a lot of Hulk Hogan stuff. You know, I think it's theater. It's just another way to enjoy kind of the being out, doing something that seems exciting. You know, the theater of this play of might and winning and losing in front of you. I think that's a great description. Pete was saying last week that the stuff that happens inside the ring isn't even nearly as enjoyable as sort of all of the goofy subplots and soap opera. He likes the soap opera. And I think that's true for a lot of people, that it's the characters that they get attached to much more than, you know, who can do a flying suplex off the top rope or something like that. I just used all those words probably incorrectly. A couple more facts going to get a little darker. Are you able to handle a little something a little bit darker? You know I can. Are you familiar with hardcore pro wrestling? No. Let's just say hardcore pro wrestling is pro wrestling where anything goes. Ew. Do you remember, did you watch a movie with me called The Wrestler? About that really past his prime professional wrestler with name uh, who's played by Mickey Rourke? Oh. And uh... He's in a situation where he, frankly, does some pretty awful things to his body just sort of to entertain the crowd. Gosh, I don't remember it in very well detailed. Okay. No problem. Uh, I, let me just read this quote. He was ultimately defeated for the title by Cebu in a barbed wire match at Born to be Wired in August 1997, in which the ropes of the ring were taken down and replaced with barbed wire. Oh, that's disgusting. It's going to get worse, Marcy. Both men had to be cut out of the wires at the end of the match. That's horrifying. I don't think you could pay me enough money to go see a hardcore wrestling match. And people get stuck into it? Ugh, yeah. no, no. Right. 
Let, let's go a little bit lighter, just Yuck. so we don't end on that note. Um, Terry Funk was married to his wife, Vicky, for 44 years until her death two years ago. So sad that she died, but clearly they had a wonderful marriage, or a long marriage at least. So good for them. He has 16 total acting credits, including Roadhouse, uh, about evenly split between uh, film and TV. So not a hugely prolific actor, which I think is kind of a shame. I think he does a good job in this movie. I don't know how you feel. How do you feel about the performance of Terry Funk in the movie Roadhouse? Oh, I think it's good. I think he plays his role really well. Marcy, are you ready to do some crowd surfing? Sure. So Marcy, who are you picking for crowd surfing this week? Well, one of the things I love about um, fight scenes in movies is that, you know, it's very choreographed, of course, because nobody's actually trying to get hurt. And they're professional stuntmen. So they're all doing things in the scene that look like stuff, but they're not really anything. So... At, like, 38 seconds in, there's a man in the middle of the frame behind where Terry Funk is, and he's got on, like, a white shirt and stuff like that, and this man behind him that's, he does this maneuver where he's got his hand on the guy's shoulder, and the blonde-haired guy with the whiter shirt kind of just dips underneath there, and then he sets himself up to be pushed away by the other guy. It just looks kind of like a dance move. You know, if you scrub the minute back and forth, it does kind of look like a dance move. It looks just like they're, they've done this little, you've done that with me, this little twist around your, your head. You know, I'm always going to think about it now as sort of, we're not actually doing swing dancing. We're just doing we're just choreographed fight fighting. moves. Oh, but you know, that's the dude. That's the dude with the... Well, that's Steve. That's Steve, Steve, yeah. is, Steve is involved in this minute. Probably not by choice. My guess is that the fight started around him, and now he's just fighting for his life. Well, that is an excellent choice, Marcy. It's not my choice, though. So I want you to go in your on your phone there to second 33. And I, I'm going to take you on a little journey, because the man that I'd like to pick for crowd surfing here is a man with a long black ponytail and a purple plaid shirt over top of what looks sort of like a black t-shirt. So let me let, let me just walk you through what happens to Purple Shirt Man, because we're going to see him some in the next minute too. But even in this minute, he has a really bad trip. So let me just kind of, I will just give you his journey through the rest of this minute. So first off, what happens is there's a crowd of people that gets pushed into Morgan. Morgan then falls backward and hits this guy. Do you see what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. So Morgan falls backward and hits Purple Shirt Man. And then what happens is he... So Morgan reacts yeah. as, as one would. He turns around. Uh, he's not really paying attention to that guy anymore. But that guy, unfortunately, has engaged now with a different person. And then when we get to about second 40, he gets spun around. And Morgan does what Morgan does, of course, with everybody. As soon as he finds somebody, he just headbutt, headbutts yeah. in the face. So this guy, this guy got squashed from behind by Morgan, spun around, grabbed by Morgan again, and headbutted. Mm. So he's, he's having a rough time. Yeah. He's not doing well in this particular fight scene. Well, let's take a look at this minute according to Dalton's three rules. So rule number one, uh, never underestimate your opponent. Expect the unexpected. Obviously, sharing husband didn't expect that Gawker was going to short him the 20 bucks. Scam the scammer. Scam the scammer. 
I'm going to say Morgan did not expect Sharing Husband to start a brawl because I don't think Morgan really ever expects any part of his job because he's the worst. He's just tour hanging out. Jack, of course, never expects a fight to start inside the double deuce because he reacts to each one as though it's the first fight he's ever seen in his yeah. entire life. And then, of course, we have... I have written down here, purple shirt man didn't expect to be used as human pinball. Oh, jeez. What about you? You got anything else that we either expected or didn't expect? Well, what do we think? Tillman expected another brawl in his bar? I think that's fair. The look on his face says, uh, I'm really upset because this is the nth time that this tomfoolery is happening. Yeah. yeah. But do you think that he's also upset because he just got Dalton there? Dalton's there and it's not fixed just yet. No, I don't think so. I think I think this is almost the way that Frank Tillman reacts tells me that this is a Pavlovian reaction to the sound of violence. Yeah. I don't think he's reacting in an angry way. I, I don't think even the best damn cooler in the business is not going to turn things around in one night on the job. Yeah. Especially if Morgan's still in the bar. Yeah. So I, I think he, I mean, they haven't even had that little scene yet where Tillman lays down the law and says that this guy is in charge of all the bar business. Mm-hmm. So uh, after that moment, I think is when he would expect things to get better. Rule number two, take it outside. No, this is an inside week, Marcy. It's an yeah. inside week, just like this is an on the bed week. Yep. So who knows? What do you think? Do you think that we will continue with this posture? Do you think this is our go-to <laughs> posture now? Well, it's super comfortable for me, and I didn't what. fall asleep, but it's also, again, 4 o'clock in the afternoon. I will have to tell you what the audio quality sounds like, and yes, I definitely think that this recording technique works from a 3 to 5. This may not be our 8 <laughs> to 10 p.m. on a Sunday night recording posture. Yeah, maybe a little rough. But we'll figure something out. Maybe we could do... We just so listeners, we just bought a new couch. Maybe we could do chaise and next to chaise. The chaise lounge. You can have the chaise, Mercy. <laughs> yeah. Rule number three. Were we nice? Uh no. People are getting swindled, swindling the swindlers. People are fighting each other. I'm gonna say there's only one person in this minute that seems to be nice, and it's well endowed wife. She seems to enjoy what's happening. She clearly doesn't have any problems with being treated like a a sex object, for lack of a better word. Uh, and if, if this is part of what you're saying, that this is just some elaborate cosplay on their part, she's probably having a pretty good time. And then she gets, you know, her husband defends her virtue for like, or maybe not virtue. Is defends, that what's happening? Defends her. No, it, it, he at least is aggressive. And maybe she likes that too. That's fair. Yeah. Other than that, nobody was really nice in this minute. Mm. Well, thank you once again for listening to another episode of Roadhouse Minute. Please, if you can, rate and review us on your favorite podcatching app. Come and join us on Facebook at the new Double Deuce. We're also on Twitter and Instagram at, at @rhminute, And you can email us at daltonsaysbenice at gmail.com. So remember, till next time, be nice. Bye now. Bye. Bye.